Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch's sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee, plus 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com code odyssey. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Hello, kids. This is Risk, the show where people tell true stories they never thought they'd dare to share. I'm Kevin Allison, and every Thursday, we release these special episodes that we're calling Classic Risk Singles. Each of these episodes features just one story from our earlier years. If you're new to Risk, you should know that the podcast can be very uncensored. This week, three different Risk fans emailed or texted me saying, hey, would you rerun that story that you first ran? It was on one of the very first episodes of Risk. It actually ran in February of 2010. And it's actually a story that was told at one of the very first Risk live shows in New York City. The reason they wanted to hear that story again is because something happened in the news this week. And yet, this thing that happened in the news this week, I'm very aware that people have extremely mixed feelings about it. So I re-listened to the story and realized, well, ultimately, the story, I still find it incredibly charming because it's ultimately the story of a young man who is dealing with the growing pains of realizing that his dreams might not come true. And I think a lot of us can really relate to what the story is ultimately about. When someone passes away, people share stories and people have mixed emotions about it all. So <laughs> without further ado, here it is. This is Luke Cunningham with a story we call Little big man. I grew up. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm huge. I'm a gigantic dude. Let's get that out of the way to begin with. I'm a giant, giant man. I'm six foot six, which is very large. Uh, so the thing is, like when I was a kid, I was always tall, but I was also like. I was a giant fat kid, like big, big fat kid. I used to wear red all the time, and everybody in my neighborhood called me Red Delicious, which was weird because I never would have eaten an apple, you know? Like, why would anyone eat an apple after God invented Skittles? It doesn't make any sense that you would go anywhere near that. 
but the thing that happens is like I always knew like my dad was six foot five and my mom was six feet tall so I always knew I was gonna grow at some point I was one of five boys my parents are Irish Catholic they had an irresponsible number of children you know the stereotype so I always knew like I was gonna get really tall and then it just happened over the course of one summer like I suddenly went from like five foot ten to six foot four in, in a summer, which is like, I used to lay in my bed and cry because my knees would hurt. <laughs> like, growing pains are at, are real, and they're physical, and they hurt. Like, it would, my, and my, you know, my brothers would be like, stop crying, you giant pussy. Like, <laughs> but it happened. And then the other thing that happened, like, I played basketball my entire life. Like, I always played growing up. My dad had been our coach all the time. And I played, and then all of a sudden, you're six foot four, and now, like, I went from a guy who would be, like, last picked to a guy who could fucking ball. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, I could dunk a basketball, which in, my, like, my neighborhood was nothing but, like, working class Irish Catholics and Italians. Like, all of a sudden, a giant white kid who could dunk a basketball. Like, people would come out to watch this. <laughs> like, have you seen the giant white kid with the white trash skater haircut dunk a basketball? <laughs> it's amazing. And, like, I... Whatever, it's not that big of a deal. <laughs> and... <laughs> Oh, it's way into it. And I don't know if you guys had it. I'm 30 years old. Around like 1993 to 1998, there was this really sweet window where the white trash haircut of shaved underneath and then parted in the middle was a big, big deal. And I had that. I don't mean to brag. So, and it was the summer of 1995, like I'd already had a summer being tall, I played on a basketball team, and we were playing in the summer league, and I was convinced at this point that like it was just a matter of time before, you know, like Coach Krzyzewski from Duke, or Dean Smith from North Carolina, like heard the legend of the giant Irish Catholic white kid. Who, and I had like I had my interviews all prepped out for SI. I'd be like, yeah, you know, I'm gonna play basketball, but I still listen mostly to Weezer and Smashing Pumpkins. And like, pretty broad like that. I'm the new Bill Walton. I'm the new Bill Walton. If you want to steal that line. And then there was just one game where all those dreams got crushed. Just crushed. Cause like the thing that happens is once you dunk a basketball, like you just assume you're gonna do that every play. For the rest, you're like, well, I could do this, so this is how the games will go. Like, we'll score 102 points, just pass it to me, and I'll dunk. And it doesn't happen like that at all. Like, the moment someone gets near me, I can't do it. But uh, it's like a mundane superpower. Like, anyone gets near me, and it's like, eh, you're going to punch me in the balls, and I can't do it. But we played this team uh, in a summer league game from Philadelphia, and they were from, like, this kind of, like, ritzy suburban town. And I was like, all right, whatever. And they were supposed to have this one guy who was supposed to be amazing. Uh, and he was like this tall black guy. And I was like, whatever. And my coach was like, well, Cunningham, you're gonna D up that guy. I want you to be in his jersey the entire game. I was like, fuck yeah, that's what I'm doing. I'm living in that guy's jersey. Cause he was like either like rumors about how good this guy was, and they're like, you have to D him up all game. I was like, all right, 94 feet, let's do it. And so the game starts. And I didn't talk shit previously to anybody. Just because, like, I was the I was the fourth of five boys, so it was like generally I was the beating pole. Like, there was no reason I was really out of practice to talk shit to anybody. You know, be like, your deodorant isn't that effective. I have no idea why I would have done it at all. But as soon as the ball went up to this guy, like, I was in this guy's ear the entire time. 
just jawing about nothing. And like, this guy was preternaturally talented, just like way better than anybody else in the court and could do anything he wanted at any given time. Like, and I figured this out within the first few minutes when he was just like, he was shooting from like half court, like, uh, and just <laughs> drilling it. And it got to be halftime and I was like, guys on my team were like, you can't fucking do anything about against this guy. We've come to see you dunk. How come you can't handle this at all? And I was like, well, he's just, I don't know. He's just quicker and better and whatever. And like, but you keep talking shit to him. I was like, yeah. They're like, well, why don't you make fun of his name? And I was like, well, what's his name? And they're like, Kobe. And I was like, oh. <laughs> oh, I'm going to make fun of his name now. <laughs> and they started feeding me little details about him. So the second half of the game starts, and I start talking shit to Kobe Bryant about how his dad had not been that good in the NBA. <laughs> like, your dad was just a fucking journeyman in the NBA. Whatever, Kobe. I, like, if that guy had known, he'd have been like, um, Ed Cunningham runs an employees-only credit union in suburban Philadelphia. How about you fucking step off for a second? And by the way, Kobe's team won a state championship in 1996. Like, Pennsylvania, that's, that's ridiculous. Like, he won from Lower Marion, Pennsylvania. Like, it was Kobe and then four dudes who looked like Kevin Allison won the fucking <laughs> state championship. <laughs> like, one of the kids was goth, you know what I'm saying? Like, the guitarist was playing the four. Like, it just made no fucking sense that this team would win a state championship. Like another guy was playing in a puka shell necklace and Tevas. It's just like, what the fuck? Hey, have you heard the new Dave Matthews band album? Whatever. Kobe's just gonna score again. I don't care. My dad makes me play. But it got to be, and I just, I like, there's something that happens when you project yourself into doing something that you won't let it go. Like, anybody else like that? Like, you just won't give something up and for whatever, I just would not give up. Like, he was clearly more talented than me. But I was convinced that I just, like, I just hadn't been working hard enough for the first half. So the second half started, and I'm jawing at him, whatever. And he gets an outlet pass. Like, where they just whip it down the court. And he is maybe, like, a stride and a half in from the foul line to the side. And I had not hustled back down the court, so I was there. And there's this thing you do on basketball where you just kind of grab somebody and prevent them from getting an easy layup. And so I went over to do that, to just like, oh, I'm just gonna grab you so you can't get an easy layup. And instead, I just swiped and slapped his shin as a pair of black knees went sailing by my eyes. This was followed by a kaboom as he dunked on the rim and then swung around on the rim, pointing at me, yelling, I own you, motherfucker, I own you. And when he came down off the rim, I, this is only gonna work for like three people who might know, he looked me in the eye and he was like, fuck you, Ronnie Cycli. <laughs> See, that guy knows who Ronnie Cycli is. He was a shitty early 90s lottery pick. <laughs> Good on Kobe to notice that reference. But <laughs> like, to get Kobe back, I looked him, dead in the eyes and I told him my SAT scores which <laughs> were excellent <laughs> and I thought that was a rebuttal was like, oh, yeah? <laughs> and then 
uh, he responded by looking at me for a second, being like, whatever, and then reminding me he was going to be a millionaire in less than a year. He's like, I'm going to get drafted, motherfucker. And then he doesn't talk that hood. He's like, I'm going to get drafted, motherfucker. And then, that's like getting shit talked by David Allen Greer. I'm going to get drafted, motherfucker. And then he cursed at me in what I guess was Italian. I have no idea. It was some foreign language. And like, I mean, my brothers were there and like wouldn't give me a ride home afterwards. <laughs> And they're like, yes, how did you not? You're terrible. Mom and Dad thought you were going to be really good at this. And it was this weird moment where I realized, like, I'm not that good at basketball. <laughs> what am I going to do with these goody limbs now? <laughs> like, it's not like you can suddenly be like, well, this is a totally inadequate height for anything else. <laughs> I'll give some of this back. Um, but I think everything works out for me eventually, and I win because I've never been accused of rape. You know what I'm saying? In Colorado. Thanks so much. I'm Luke Cunningham. That's all for this week's Classic Risk Singles episode. Now, don't miss out on our regular full-length episodes. There's a brand new one every Tuesday. And everything you might want to know about us is at risk-show.com.